Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank by applying the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. With us today, I have an awesome guest, Shannon Robnett. Shannon has been in the real estate industry for over 40 years. He has been involved from start to finish on over $250 million in construction projects covering the gamut from multifamily, professional office buildings to city halls, fire and police stations, school, industrial, and mini storage. As a developer with over 25 years of personal and hands-on development and construction experience, few in this industry are more dedicated to delivering numerous passive income streams to their syndicate partners. Along with his knowledgeable and dedicated team, Shannon Robinett Industries creates a second-to-none investor experience. Shannon, welcome to our show. Thanks. Sorry. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, before we jump into real estate, do you mind sharing with us some of, some of your background and how you got into these niches of real estate? Well, you know, I got into involved in real estate uh, through forced labor. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a, uh, in a contractor's house. My dad was a builder. Uh, my mom was a realtor. Uh, I, you know, I saw uh, 1031 deals go down at the kitchen table. You know, we, we were constantly seeing, you know, mom would be out showing the Johnson's property and they were talking about expanding their business. And my dad would be like, well, you know, we could buy the lot for Mr. Smith and we could do this and we could build him a building. And, you know, so I always saw that. And, and when I was younger, I spent my Saturdays and my Sundays picking up job sites and cleaning tools and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really realize how much of that was really tempering me mm-hmm. to be who I am today. I mean, it really makes me, you know, not want to be on the job site, <laughs> you know, uh, brings back PTSD, I think is uh, <laughs> what that is. But, but the reality is it shows me how the deal really got done. You know, uh, I mean, I've worked with guys who work with funds and they do these big deals and they're $150 million deals and they're putting this stuff together and they they never leave their office in New York. And, you know, I remember when I told my dad I wanted to build my first house, his answer was go get the dozer. You have to dig the hole. You have to lay out the building. You have to know how to do every step of this. So I did all that. I I built the cabinets. I framed the house. I did everything that's built into that house. So I knew when it wasn't being done right, you know? And so I come at it from a little bit different perspective of now putting the paperwork behind it and syndicating the deals. That's the new piece for me, not the deal, not building the buildings, not putting the things together, not the excavation, you know, all of that stuff. So I really kind of have a backwards approach from most uh, people that are that are doing hundred million dollar deals, yeah. But I think it serves me well. What what kind of um, led you to like the fun part of of raising capital and then launching? Like kind of like what was you know it necessity. I mean, I really got to a place where you know I was doing it. I did a deal with a friend of mine, uh, and uh, you know he he had the money, I had the ability, I had the property. We did the deal together. It went really well. You know, we exited that uh, first part of this year at, you know, $64 million. Uh, but I really got to a place where a single check writer wasn't wasn't going to cut it. And, you know, a single check writer might want to do a deal, you know. So I really got involved with being able to put together uh, a group of investors and seeing that there's a need, right, because I have a particular talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have an ability to put stuff together. I have an adil- ability to underwrite a deal in a, about an hour with a single job site visit. I can kind of figure out what's going on, drive around the neighborhoods. 
but then I got to convey that information down. And so I just really saw where I could do that and I could, I could really be helpful to other people to, so that they could underwrite the deal, so that they could see how they could be involved. They could get great returns. And I just saw how that would be beneficial to everybody. And so I began to work with a few investors and do some deals here and do some deal. And, and we just, we've slowly built uh, over the last couple, three years uh, to where, you know, now we have, uh, you know, uh, over $42 million raised and, mm -hmm. and are moving forward in various deals. I just came back from the title company, signing and closing another one. So we're Washington to Florida oh, on nice. deals. Okay. Yeah, and, and I love how you mentioned that because it helps you with your need of expanding. And then yeah. also the investors, you know, they're looking for a place to deploy money. The stock right. market isn't, you know, you saw what happened with the stock market last week. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely think in my opinion, I think real estate is, you know, it's a lot better than other investments out there, specifically, right. um, you know, industrial and how we're going to jump into it and other, other right. asset classes. So I think, as, you know, today you have two deals, right? Um, two open deals right now for investors. Yeah industrial real estate and the um i was surprised at the bitcoin fund bitcoin mining fund yeah you know everybody is a little bit surprised at that because here you know we just had this conversation about development right and yeah. everything that i do is development and and i've you know been involved in sticks and stones and this kind of stuff and now all of a sudden you know i had a couple of investors call me and they go man have you been laying out in the sun too much all of a sudden you're doing this hard right into you know bitcoin and and i've been involved with bitcoin uh since a early 2017. But the thing that I've been involved with that a lot of people don't think about since I had to write my very first check to that fat, ugly Uncle Sam, I've been involved in paying less taxes as as, as efficiently as possible and as legally as possible, right? Always legally, right? Yes, yes. But yes. the one thing that I realized, it, being involved in Bitcoin is one thing. But being involved in a Bitcoin mining operation is such a huge tax advantage that most people don't understand that they're able to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. So if you you know if you're looking at things, I always look at okay, this is a deal, and now what's the tax advantage? Because the tax advantages will never make a good deal or make it they'll never make a bad deal good, right? Yeah. yeah. But they'll make a good deal great. Yeah. When you look at it and go, you know what, I can save a huge amount of money by making this particular investment that is for my future, right? And so that's really where the Bitcoin mining operation came around was I was really looking at it from a tax strategy side, how to be more tax efficient with uh, some things that I had coming up. And what are the tax advantages? Like, is it like depreciation on the equipment that's used? Well, exactly, right? And, and so most people don't think about that, but Bitcoin mining is not, you know, you're not really buying a pick and going into a rock. <laughs> you know, you're buying a computer. <laughs> and the IRS says that that computer is 100% depreciatable in year one. So if you're investing in the Bitcoin mining operation, you're able to take 100% of your investment as depreciation in year one. So you're sitting there being tax advantaged on your money coming in before you ever get any money coming out, which is phenomenal because a lot of people, you know, you hear people all the time going, oh, well, I, I went out and bought a new vehicle, uh, 6,000 pounds, you know, then I can depreciate it. And that's okay, but who's paying for that? Yeah, you are, uh, yeah. right? So, so if you go back to what Robert Kiyosaki says, that's not an asset, that's a liability. Mm -hmm. And depreciation may be an advantage, but you're the sucker paying the note.
right? There's nobody else doing it but you. Yeah. And so when you look at this, where, where you're coming in, you're buying hardware, that hardware then creates the Bitcoin, you're able to take that depreciation right now toward your passive income, which can be enormous, right? And that was the thing I liked about it too, aside from the tax advantages. Also, right. it's not just buying Bitcoin, it's buying the process of right. mining Bitcoin, which is different than just going to Robinhood or Coinbase and just buying um, Bitcoin, right? Well, and the other thing too that we're doing is a lot of people look at it, they go, hey, we're going to go into the Bitcoin mining world. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we mine the Bitcoin, we're going to sell the Bitcoin. Yeah. Our fund is designed that you will actually get the Bitcoin. Right. So we're not selling the Bitcoin. We're giving you the Bitcoin. Right. So you're actually able to participate in a large scale mining operation. That you don't have to necessarily be the ins and outs of deal with the contract negotiation where your machines are deployed. None of that needs to happen. You can just participate in this, get all of the depreciation, get all of the oversight, get everything you need. And then when it comes time to deploy the Bitcoin, everybody's looking at it going, oh, my gosh. Bitcoin's down. It's got to be a horrible time. Yeah. It's an amazing time, <laughs> right? It's an incredibly beneficial time because if you know about Bitcoin, which I know you know about Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is, is a computer uh, algorithm that you go through and you solve for X, and once you solve, then you get the profits. The thing is, when the price, price of Bitcoin is dropped to where it's at, everybody's pulling out. People are shutting off their minds. So just like everything else, when there's a lot less competition for said Bitcoin, the algorithm is solved quicker. It's solved easier. There's not as much traffic. So you're able to actually wind up with a higher frequency of operation. You're able to wind up with more Bitcoin per hour than you would if there was 9,000 other people fishing in the same algorithm, right? Trying to solve the same formula, right? So as we see prices go down, that's actually really good. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is with the Bitcoin, when we mine it, we have a cost to mine it, okay? Yep. Our cost is about $10,000, $11,000 of Bitcoin to mine it, okay? Time our large-scale operations carried, taken care of, our hosting costs, everything like that, we're about $11,000 a coin. Where it's at right now, Sorry, means that I am going to transfer that to you at 30000 which means that you're going to get a Bitcoin and you're going to realize it as a product that you participated in making. Mm -hmm. You have a cost in that product of 10000 you, you have a value of that product at 30000 The IRS says, well, sorry, you made $20,000. Mm -hmm. The cost doesn't change. It, it changes a little bit because of the, the difficulty, right? So maybe it's 12000 but if, but if Bitcoin's at 65000 mm -hmm. you're going to recognize a whole lot more profit. Yeah. The other thing about it is the earlier you get involved in Bitcoin mining, the easier it is to solve because, as you know, the halvings happen. So it gets harder and harder to process, right? So the sooner you get it done, the sooner you get involved with something like this, the more you're going to wind up with for profits, the more coin you're going to wind up with, more Bitcoin, and you're going to get in at a lower price point because, as you and I know, Bitcoin is cool now, mm -hmm. but Bitcoin is the future. Yeah. And, and the real value of Bitcoin 
is not in today's pricing. The real value of Bitcoin is in the five or the 10 year pricing because it is a finite supply, right? And so I, like you, believe that Bitcoin at 30 is a phenomenal entry point because I'm really thinking that Bitcoin's going to be 300. Yeah. I'm really thinking Bitcoin's going to be 2 million, right? I've heard those estimates as the scarcity goes because right now, less than 12% of the world even functions, even has any kind of, of digital currency yeah. at all, right? So there's still a huge market because everybody in the world uses money. Everybody in the world uses some sort of currency. They just, only 12% of the world has adopted this particular currency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm already seeing like states are using as part of their reserves and banks and hedge funds and right so yeah definitely there's i mean it's, it's definitely about the future of it for sure it's not yeah. about right now um yeah. and and yet you're able to get into it right now pay the taxes on it right now right and and know that when that's now on your balance sheet at three hundred thousand a coin and you got in at 30 you're not taxed on that right <laughs> all that gain is there and you got that benefit then or you got that benefit from investing now right could you leverage the Bitcoin? So, for example, I, you know, invest in mining. I get back, let's just say, um, a hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin instead of selling that and losing the potential growth. Could I borrow from a platform? Leverage See, that's it? the beautiful thing. Exactly right. But we leave that up to every investor, right? Yeah, because yeah. we know that in in a, in a situation like this, if you're leveraged, you need to make sure that you have the ability to cover when the price goes down. Yep. yep. Right. So we leave that up to the investor, but we will show you and teach you very easily how you can take your $100,000 in Bitcoin, do what's called DeFi, which is decentralized finance, right? It just means that somebody is going to use your, they're going to get a title loan on your Bitcoin, yeah. right? <laughs> and they're going to give you 60% of the value of it in a loan. Yeah. And you're going to be able to do that for a small fee. So now you can do something else with that, right? Got it. Okay. Okay, makes sense. And then, uh, you know, speaking of something else, we could talk about also your other uh, deal right now that you have, right? Mossy Head? Yeah, Mossy Head, Florida. So, so that is an industrial deal, uh -huh. right? And, I, and I, I love industrial. It's kind of the core of what I've done is a, our family has always been involved in small-scale industrial. And this one was, I was actually at, it's funny, this is a great segue. I was actually at a blockchain conference, okay? And I met this gentleman named Steve. Uh, Stephen, and we'll leave some mystery in there as to who Stephen is. But Stephen was uh, a metal building manufacturer out of Texas, and he had this client that really wanted a building in Mossy Head, Florida, but he didn't know how to really put the deal together. And the guy couldn't really, he wasn't really in a position where he wanted to own the building. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I can show you how to do that. I'm a developer. I can do this. So we formed a partnership. Craziest thing, right? I go to Austin, Texas for a meeting. With a, meet another guy in Texas. We do a deal in Florida. And the reality is, is we have a single tenant on a seven acre lot. We're building him a 37,000 square foot building. Um, it's a long-term lease. It's a 10 year lease. Uh, it's a high net worth individual that has a really great business concept, putting in about $2 million worth of uh, equipment to make this business work. And uh, we've got personal guarantees on that, but it's a triple net lease. And so it's not even really a deal where if the property taxes go up, we don't eat it. The tenant does. If the lawn maintenance goes up, 
we don't eat it. The tenant does, right? If there's, if there's roof maintenance to be done, that's the beauty of a triple net lease. That's the tenant. But we also have room for another 30,000 square feet on the backside, right? So we can do another building for either that tenant or another tenant that is also on a rail spur. And I didn't know this, sorry, but if you go draw a line from Jacksonville, Florida to Los Angeles, yeah. you would take the I-10, which is right in front of our building. So the, the major highway that runs east and west is right there, and that's why this tenant wanted to be in that particular location. So we were able to put this deal together. Um, this particular deal has another really awesome tax benefit called bonus depreciation. Yeah. Right? And bonus depreciation is, it, it, it's starting to taper off, but it's, it's still available this year where you can take the cost of the building, you can depreciate out certain aspects of it because the IRS says that the parking lot only lasts for 15 years, the paint only lasts for five years, uh, you know, the, the landscaping is only good for 15, and they can, they can, we get a cost segregation study, mm-hmm. and that specialist tells the IRS exactly how fast our building's going to depreciate, so we're able to claim that bonus depreciation, and we're really anticipating that if you were to put in $100,000 into this investment, you'd wind up with about $100,000 in depreciation, which if you had income to offset that against, the IRS would say, well, you had $100,000 in income, but because you have $100,000 in depreciation, you now no longer have any income, which is a huge tax savings before we ever get to the returns of the deal, right? Now we have a 10-year deal. We've got uh, uh, market escalations in the deal. So every year, you know, the property's going to, the rent's going to go up in value, mm-hmm. which means the property goes up in value. So we have all of that built in on a 10-year deal. It's really a sweet thing. And that one is going to return about an 18% return over the five years we plan to, to own it. The reality is, is we'll sell that with about five years left on the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't wind up with a ridiculous offer like we did on one of our other deals this week. So so it's possible, right, to sell before five years if you come up. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, we had a really <laughs> short conversation with uh, our investors because, you know, as you know, with, with, with syndication and, and funds, it's really up to the fund manager, but I really like the, the personal relationships that I built with my investors. And, mm. and I like to let them know what's going on. And well, maybe I was bragging a little bit, sorry. I mean, let's just be honest, you know, we, we're, we're gonna wind up exiting this deal at 104% on an 18 month hold, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really wasn't, it was really a one-sided conversation, but we had an offer and I took it to my investors and I said, we have the ability to sell. We were going to hold this for for a long period of time, but we have the ability to sell. What do y'all say? They all said, "Heck yeah!" So we're out and down the road and booging into the next deal. And like for example, so as far as like risk, like what's your perspective on industrial real estate versus like multifamily or other asset classes? You know, the the thing that I always see in here, sorry, is that people interpret risk differently. Yeah. And I do agree that if you're looking at what do you have to have, right? The first thing you have to have is a, a place to, to live, right? A place to sleep, right? So housing is definitely the number one thing that any person needs. But with 65% of the jobs in America created by small business, mm-hmm. I think industrial is definitely on track to be probably the second largest thing you're going to build, own, and operate. The other side of that is I would say, and I don't know that too many people, even major syndicators in the real estate market would disagree with me when I say that multifamily is a little frothy. 
<laughs> right? It's a little oversold at this point. And what I mean by that is cap rates yeah. on multifamily are in the threes. Yeah, yep. And as your as your people know, a cap rate means that that's the that's the rate of return mm -hmm. that you're willing to get on the cash flow that's coming into that deal right now, right? So if you've got a three a, a cap three, you're getting a three percent return today. Now rent escalations can make that grow, and you could wind up in a ten cap position relatively quickly with the rent growth that we have. But you can't always count on rent growth like we've had over the last five years, right? But industrial is much, the, the cap rates are much higher. So I believe on the, this particular deal, we've figured the cap rate, the exit cap rate at a 575. So that really means that you're going to start out at the very bottom, the very first year of this investment with a much higher rate of return than you would in multifamily. Mm -hmm. The other thing is in multifamily, you've got in, a, in an asset this size, you're going to have 15 families, 20 families, right? Yeah. They're going to have one-year leases. Yes. They don't really have a personal guarantee. I mean, you can go sue them, yeah, right? Yeah. But what are you really going to get out of a, uh, out, of a, out of a family of four that had $1,500 worth of damage? I mean, you, yeah. you're not going to get much, right? Whereas when you look at industrial, industrial are people that have businesses. They're usually, they're, they're bankable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this particular guy has got a, a, a net worth of about $45 million. Um, he's just focusing his efforts on his business to yep. grow and expand his business. Doesn't really want to deal with the real estate. We have a personal guarantee from him. We have a 10-year lease. With, we know what the escalation in the rent is. If the property taxes go up, we've got a triple net on that. So in, in so many ways, sorry, mm -hmm. triple net deals are like, they're, they're my sweet spot. They're the ones that, I, I mean, I do a lot of, a lot of multifamily because there's great money in multifamily. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there's not. But my personal preference and my personal portfolio is very heavily weighted in industrial. Yep. And the reason for that is, is because of those factors. I love good long-term rents. For years and years and years, we've negotiated our rents with CPI uh, increases, which is a consumer price index, mm -hmm. right? So now without even arguing about it, I'm getting an 8% rent increase on my industrial because that was what was in the lease. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I don't even have to argue about that, right? And all the taxes and, and you, you want to repaint the inside of the building, repaint the inside of the building. I don't care. That's a tenant cost. Whereas if you got apartments, you're constantly repainting the inside and the outside and picking up the garbage and mowing the lawn and the dog poop and all that kind of stuff because <laughs> yeah. you are the reason that that exists. So your expenses in, a, in an industrial deal are all reimbursed by the tenant and your expenses in a multifamily deal are all borne by the owner. Yeah. There is no reimbursement on that. It's just something that you're trying to mitigate and, and do the best you can to make sure that you're getting a great return, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's how the investors get like a cash on cash return, right? It's from the yeah. rental income from, from the right. deal. So you take your gross income, yep. you take your expenses, and you wind up with your net operating income, mm -hmm. right? So if you know that your, your expenses are zero, yeah. it's really easy to say what your net operating income is. Whereas if you know that your your expenses are sometime, somewhere between 32 and 38%, yeah. one good snowstorm could put you over on your expenses and now everybody's cash on cash return is down. Yeah, exactly. So there's more certainty with triple net. Much more certainty with triple net and the tenants stick around a lot longer. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, very nice. Now, both of these are um, for accredited investors, right? 506C funds? Uh, Mossy Head right now is a 506B. Okay, B, okay. Um, but but the, the the crypto mining uh, fund yeah. currently is a, is a is a C. We're also yeah. launching a, a CF mining huh? fund, which a CF was something that came uh, about through the Jobs Act, yeah. which is a weird place to put it. But what it allows us to do is it allows us to advertise. It allows us to take non-accredited investors. Uh, it allows us to do everything that you would do with the C. Uh, without having the, to to have the knowledge and the and the, the know how of the investor, but you're able to take people who are unaccredited, mm -hmm. right? So, but what that does is the SEC then drills into me and and makes sure that I am accredited. I am yeah. a good operator. I don't, you know, I've never been to prison. Um, you know, I I know. Sorry, that's how we met. But I I, I didn't want to tell everybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> kidding kidding he was working there um anyway <laughs> but but uh th that's really you know the difference and then the reality is that's going to open that up allow us to advertise that allow small investors so mm -hmm. we're going to have we're going to have a much smaller limit on that we're going to have a thousand dollar minimum on that mm -hmm. um and so we're going to be able to open that up where everybody literally will be able to get in on a crypto mining fund which is not something that most people can do right now and be with an accredited group like ourselves, mm -hmm. it's going to make sure that they get fair and honest treatment. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for that because typically when it comes to like the fund world, it's usually a minimum of like $50,000. Yeah. Not everybody yeah. has that. So I, right. I like the CF. Uh, crowd, CF stands for crowdfunding, right? Yeah. And it's very, it, it, to, to me, it seems to be a very underutilized uh, opportunity because most people don't want to take the time to go through the six months that the uh, SEC wants to examine, you know, your criminal record in your underwear drawer. <laughs> and when, when is it planning? Uh, when are you planning on launching the CF fund? We're hoping to launch next month. Okay, yeah. So we're hoping to launch that uh, no later than the end of June, 1st of July. Well, sounds good, Shannon. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about both of these deals and the CF yeah. fund. Uh, how could listeners connect with you and learn more about you? You know, that's a great question. The easiest way is just shannonrobnet.com. Uh -huh. You can go to the contact us. And if they'll send, uh, if they'll just send me a contact information, just say, hey, I want to connect with you. I heard you uh, talking with Sari. I will send them a copy of my book. I just, uh, I just became a best-selling author. Oh, nice. Uh, I was part of a book with Kyle Wilson and a couple other really great guys, uh, Russ, uh, or sorry, uh, Robert uh, Helms and, mm -hmm. and uh, David uh MTA and a few others like that. So if they'll just say, hey, I heard you on Sari's uh, podcast, I'll send a, a book. And then they can also ask for more information. We can set up a call. We can have a great conversation, talk about the ins and outs and what their real goals are. You know, sorry, this is the one thing that you and I really connect on is we're not so concerned about what you have to invest yeah. as we are concerned about how you want to invest yeah. and making sure that your strategy is the one that's executed, not the one of the guy that's got a deal, right? Yeah. Oh, you got to do this because this is what I do. No, yeah, yeah. we want to make sure that we're doing what you want to do because that's really where the the benefit is, is getting you to the goals that you want to achieve. And that's one where you and I've had several conversations and always agreed on that as to how to really treat the customer and understand what they're looking for. So shannonromnet.com is an easy place to find us. Awesome, Shannon. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to having you back on. And yeah. Nice talking to you. Thanks, Ari. Thank you. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, 
please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.